Welcome to Macquarie Street, the national political podcast coming to you from the crucible of Australian democracy. Here's your host, Lyle Shelton. G'day and welcome to Macquarie Street with Lyle Shelton. Um, don't double take, I'm not Lyle Shelton. My name is Dave Pello, and today I'm helping Lyle by doing the interview, putting him in the guest seat and asking him all about his new role with uh, Family First. Lyle, welcome to Macquarie Street with Lyle Shelton. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You're doing a great job in the chair. <laughs> now, uh, exciting news. I mean, you've had, I guess, uh, a lot of attempts uh, since you left directing the Australian Christian Lobby to try and follow God's leading into the partisan political world uh, outside the, the party boundaries as a lobbyist you're now looking for membership in the Liberal Party and uh, and then the Australian Conservatives or vice that the other way around um, and and then of course uh, there was a great implosion in the Christian Democrat Party um, uh, frustrating your most recent venture into partisan politics uh, tell us about family first it's a uh, renovation and, and renewal after Corey shut down the Australian Conservatives and uh, what the hope and, and plan is there. Yeah, well, thanks, Dave. Look, uh, Family First uh, has a proud history over 20 years. Uh, it's had members in uh, the upper house of the South Australian Parliament. It's had senators in the federal parliament. And after a hiatus of a couple of years, uh, the party has been rebirthed. Uh, it had an outing at the South Australian election recently in March of this year and performed very creditably for a minor party in the values space uh, and uh, only narrowly missed out on seeing uh, Tom Kenyon, uh, who's now the Family First Chairman, uh, elected to the Upper House in South Australia. And that's really given us encouragement to keep going in this project. We really believe there's a need for a political party uh, in the minor party space that will stand up unequivocally for the values of the family, uh, pro-life, uh, upholding Judeo-Christian values. And uh, it's a very unique uh, proposition in terms of um, what's available for people uh, in terms of how they cast their ballot uh, in this space. And uh, I think anyone who was voting at the last election would have been like uh, myself, really wondering who can they place a principled vote with. Uh, they just really weren't that many options and um, we're looking forward to seeing Family First uh, being relaunched and spreading out across the nation over time uh, to provide that option for people looking uh, for that uh, party that will stand unequivocally for family values, for the pro-life cause, uh, for religious freedom. Yeah, that's, uh, that is something that I noticed uh, and that a lot of commentators, um, I guess, noticed was that uh, despite there being 10 to 20 uh, minor parties or micro parties on the uh, right of centre, um, there was a noticeable absence outside of Western Australia of a Christian party, a Christian values party. Uh, and um, that's, I, I guess, that's something that you guys want to address. Um, so is there a plan on, on expanding beyond New South Wales and South Australia? Yeah, very much so. And look, Family First, um, whilst it's been around for 20 years and a lot of very prominent Christians have been uh, representing it, uh, such as uh, Andrew Evans in the South Australian Parliament, a, a well-known pastor uh, in South Australia. Um, obviously, uh, the people who have held positions in the Senate have all been Christians. There's a lot of Christians involved. It's always been a party that has appealed 
beyond a Christian base. Obviously, it, uh, we're unashamed. Uh, people like myself are unashamed, out and proud Christians. Uh, and certainly we are appealing to a Christian constituency. But we also want to appeal to anyone in Australia who believes what we believe about the family, uh, that, that believes in the pro-life cause, that believes in freedom of religion, uh, and uh, the the values upon which Australia was built, those Western values, those Judeo-Christian values. So it's a party that is appealing right across the board, always has done, and will continue to do that. And uh, we just really feel there's an important um, role there for us to play. Um, yes, there are a lot of micro parties uh, in the space at the moment, uh, and I think that goes to the disillusionment on the centre-right side of politics. Uh, there is a bit of a fragmentation there. And, and look, um, I, I think it's a case of ensuring that uh, we work together with those who do share similar values. But I do think the value proposition that Family First brings to politics is unique. Uh, and um, yet we can certainly cooperate with others who have similar values and we'll seek to do that. But we do think there's uh, a real opportunity there, particularly with um, uh, the fact that the party has been in hiatus for a few years in coming out of mothballs uh, for the South Australian election, so to speak, uh, it really did show there's an appetite for what we have to offer. And uh, for myself personally, I think it's a really good fit and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, it uh, re-energised and getting going again right around the nation. What kind of access is there to the old Family First membership database and the, the ability to even just communicate with them and say, hey, we're here, we're back in the space, um, and uh, you know, subscribe or unsubscribe. We'd we'd love to uh, campaign with you for these values again in Australia. Oh, look, I think it's very much a rebuilding exercise, and we're we're already finding that people who have been involved in Family First in the past, uh, others who have just heard of us, uh, they are starting to come back into the fold. Um, uh, I'm very privileged that um, a large number of people have been following my journey as I've sought to uh, find uh, a place in this space over the last few years. I've been very convicted that there is a need for this. That's why uh, I left the Australian Christian Lobby. Um, its work is obviously very, very necessary and I'm a big supporter of it, having given 10 years of my life to it. But I do feel that it's important that um, there's uh, another, I guess, uh, battle tank on the field and that is a partisan political party that people uh, who do share our values uh, have when it comes to election time. And that's why there's a need for a political party. And so we are finding that um, people are coming out of the woodwork from the old Family First, um, Australian Conservatives, other, other people of, uh, of uh, values uh, who support the values who want this. But um, it is very much a, a rebuilding exercise and it's going to take a little bit of time. And uh, I'd encourage people just to have patience, but uh, to certainly get on board with us if they feel like uh, our message resonates with them. Now, you've mentioned, and I've mentioned, there's uh, quite a few parties on the space and, and you feel you have a, a unique offering there. Uh, I think all of these parties would think their reason for existence is justified by a unique set of attributes that's uh, too important to leave up to other parties that aren't doing them well enough, if at all. Uh, is there a level to which this is actually too much of a good thing counterproductive and dividing the strength that we should be bringing to uh, the uh, centre-right uh, politics in Australia that's been effectively abandoned by the coalition? Look, it's, it's a good question and it's a fair question. And yes, I guess we all would say, yes, we have a unique value proposition. Uh, but um, look, for those of us who uh, really do care about 
the family, not some woke definition of the family, but uh, the idea that we should preference in public policy. Um, and, and again, this is not to you know be dismissive of, of other family formations, but we've got to be able to um, preference uh, the idea of mum, dad and the kids and say that that's okay and that that should be favoured in public policy. That's not to demean anyone else. And so that's unique about Family First. Uh, we're pro-life, uh, that's a non-negotiable. Um, there, there are no other parties in Australia that are pro-life from conception to natural death and believing that uh, the human life uh, uh, should be protected is, is um, something that is uh, held sa um, as uh, sacred and, and we acknowledge the humanity of, uh, of human life right from its conception to natural death. Uh, there's no other political party that does that, apart from Australian Christians over in Western Australia. Um, so it, it is a unique proposition and um, it's a necessary one. There are, there's a, there's, there are millions of Australians who believe what we believe but have nowhere to cast their vote. So um, uh, we will work with others who have similar values. Uh, there are many who you know, are well disposed towards uh, our causes, but um, there are a few that are principled in the way that we are. When it comes to election time, Victorian elections are going to be first cab off the rank at the end of November this year. Uh, what kind of um, readiness will Family First have for candidates in Victoria? And what kind of, I guess, um, how to vote recommendations will the Family First party be giving to the other minor right parties uh, in, in Victoria? Let me uh, contextualise that question with the fact that because the Australian Christians are so pro-life and so uh, very clearly Christian and explicitly Christian in their name, etc., uh, they didn't give a straight preference um, above known good liberal candidates uh, to the to the freedom parties. There, there was some cases where they put specific liberals with um, known trustworthiness and reliability um, above some of the freedom parties, which uh, irritated some people, and um, and that was unfortunate. But is there a paradigm or philosophy that uh, Family First will be bringing to um, how to vote recommendations when it comes time to other elections, notably the first one uh, coming up in Victoria? Yeah, look, um, the, the, the approach that the party took in South Australia at the recent election was to preference uh, people over parties. And so in some seats, uh, Family First preferenced uh, Labor parliamentarians where some of the Liberals in the Stephen Marshall government had voted for abortion to birth. Um, we preferenced against those people. Now, that really shocked uh, the Labor Party and shocked the Liberal Party. Uh, and it showed that we're prepared to take a principled stand. Uh, look, we'll, when it comes to the Victorian election, you know, it's still early days yet. Um, it, we're over six months away. There is a, a big field of minor parties. Um, we'll just have to see how all that coalesces. But um, our, our predisposition is to uh, work with those who share our values and to make sure that, um, you know, we don't in any way uh, harm the chances, uh, obviously of ourselves or, or of others in the way that preferences is done. Um, you know, for instance, there's Bernie Finn down there who has recently been expelled from the Liberal Party. He's announced he's going to be running uh, for uh, uh, another party, and that's fine. And um, we'll be friends with him. We'll work with him. Um, if, what, if our activities end up helping someone like him get elected, well, that's a win for the cause. And so that's the attitude uh, that we'll be taking. As a national director for the Family First Party, um, what kind of... Um, cooperation do you think is 
possible uh, in the centre-right minor parties? What kind of strategy? Uh, obviously, amalgamation is not something that really any party wants to do. Um, there might be the one or two micro parties that naturally dissolve over the next three years. But what kind of strategy do you think is possible and, and achievable? Uh, in yeah, Because what we've just done in the last election is essentially recommend preferences um, for each other to what degree voters followed that uh, more or less is perhaps unknowable. Um, but it seems like it wasn't the most effective uh, strategy. Is there an improvement on that strategy that you're thinking of? Look, um, I think all that you can do is work relationally with people and do your best um, to cooperate. Um, look, obviously, we don't all agree on everything. And, you know, those of us on the, on, you know, for, for instance, you know, what we stand for at Family First is, is very principled. I mean, there are very few parties anywhere that are willing to stand up for the family the way that Family First is. There are, as, as we've said before, there are no pro-life parties apart from Australian Christians over in Western Australia. Uh, and, and they, you know, they, they do a good job, but uh, they haven't had electoral success. Uh, so, look, I think it's just going to take time, Dave. I think we've just got to be patient, uh, see where things coalesce. Let's see what sort of support uh, we mm. can garner, that Family First can garner. And then I think when it comes to election times, you, you start having those conversations uh, with the other players there, looking where you can cooperate, making sure that uh, we do um, harness the vote as best as possible so that um, you know the, the, the cause that we all want to see achieved uh, is achieved. So um, I, I hear where you're coming from you know, with these questions. Um, you know, and I know of your particular you know, passion, uh, as is mine for this minor party space. And yeah, there's a lot of players in it, um, it is what it is, but um, we're all using the tools of democracy that are available to us. And, and that does mean that people are free to start their own parties around certain issues or values, you know, whether you're the LDP, you're libertarian or, or um, you know, whatever it is that you're particularly um, focused on in terms of policy. But for us, uh, we're very clear. We are, um, you know, uh, looking to appeal to that social conservative base that really does care about the need to uh, improve and to bolster and strengthen the family in Australian society because from that uh, so much else flows, a, a decrease in crime, a decrease in child abuse, um, a, a better economy as, uh, as functioning families, uh, you know, raise young people who can contribute uh, to the economy, all of these things that the benefits of, of intact married families uh, is incontrovertible and mm. uh, again that's not to demean anyone else who finds themselves in a, in a, in a different family construct, but we should be able to uh, advocate for the family formation, which we know is uh, conducive to human flourishing and to nation building. And that's what Australia desperately needs at this time. And the other thing that uh, our constituency is very keen to see is, um, is the freedom, um, you know, because often people are motivated uh, for family policy because of their religion, uh, and, and certainly Christians are, and of course there's, there's many Muslims and Hindus who similarly value uh, the family as, as we understand it in the Judeo-Christian West, uh, and they're coming from a, a religious base that motivates them, and we're all seeing the pressures on freedom of religion at the moment, and um, that, that space is becoming more and more constrained, uh, particularly with governments like the one in Victoria under Daniel Andrews, and that's why this uh, upcoming Victorian election is absolutely crucial that we uh, are in that space and providing people the opportunity to cast a vote for a party that will stand for family, will stand for life and will stand for freedom. 
Um, I did have a final question, but I actually just want to, I guess, ask you more about the religious liberty question. Um, where do you see the solution? Where does Family First Party see the solution, if not the status quo, then um, on the question of the religious discrimination bill, um, what do you think should be advocated for? What will you be advocating for in that space? Well, I think we've got to have the same sort of freedoms that existed uh, before same-sex marriage became law, uh, and that is the freedom to advocate for uh, marriage between a man and a woman um, without being called a bigot or, or some sort of a hater because none of us are bigoted or hate anyone else. We just have a different view of human flourishing when it comes to um, the expression of, of marriage in our society and, and the ability to say what we believe, uh, not just from a religious perspective, but from a scientific and biological perspective uh, on what gender is. And uh, these things are hotly contested at the moment. And, and uh, you know, we're finding that our anti-discrimination laws um, are configured against people who hold these views. So we need to see uh, a return to freedom in Australia where people are free to say what marriage is and they are free to say what gender is without mm. someone from the woke radical left trying to shut them down and take them to an anti-discrimination commission uh, at great expense through the legal process. So, so that has to change and that's why we need a political party, again, which is, is going to advocate uh, for that fearlessly. So my final question is, I mean, Family First was put on mothballs five years ago and and uh, threw in with the Australian Conservatives uh, and that was uh, subsequent or around the time of the uh, marriage plebiscite. There is, uh, I guess, a, a, a very popular push uh, now to undefine not just marriage but undefined family, uh, as uh, Paul Keating once said, two men and a poodle don't make a family. Um, not a typical Labor view these days. but I think it was two men and a cocker spaniel. But, uh, uh, that, that might have been, yeah, a cocker spaniel. Um, but, uh, it might have been two, two jokers and a cocker spaniel, I think, was his actual uh, words. But, he was yes, very, right. very... Uh, he had very a colourful turn of phrase. That's what I was about to say. He's very good with those phrases. Um, look, do you think there is a, a growing... Um, perhaps silenced uh, sentiment which will work in Family First's favour to, to, to push back against this, uh, not being able to define woman or mother, uh, gender and, and marriage and, and all of these things which are very clearly attacks on uh, men, women, children and families in particular. Is that going to, uh, do you think, more than hopefully, but analytically, do you think that's going to increase Family First's ability to attract support in, in the uh, voter base that they haven't reached before. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, all of these things since the same-sex marriage plebiscite back in 2017, since, um, yeah, Australian Conservatives came on the scene, these things have all intensified. They've got worse. The ability to speak freely has, um, has been, uh, you know, un under further attack. And uh, it's really important that there are political voices out there that are not afraid to speak about you know, what a woman is, uh, what a family is, uh, what uh, human rights the unborn should have, and 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 to speak boldly about the need for freedom of speech and freedom of religion, because these are areas where all of the major parties have dropped the ball. The Greens are actively hostile to them, uh, to all of these issues. So are the new teals that have come on the scene. 
the Liberal Party doesn't have the courage to take it on. Uh, you saw the Liberal Party almost tear itself apart over Catherine Deves. Uh, so it's vital that there is a political movement, uh, a partisan political movement that will give voice to these issues uh, without fear uh, and speak them out publicly because I think that will then bring great encouragement to millions of Australians who are desperate for leadership in this space, desperate for political leadership in this space. And uh, I think that's exactly what uh, we at Family First can offer them. Well, I applaud you. Uh, you know, I'm a, a fan as, as well as a friend um, declaring biases uh, here, but uh, in, in all sincerity, um, I really appreciate the work you've been pioneering for so many decades and, and years uh, and uh, continuing to do now. And um, strength to your arm and Godspeed, Lyle. Thanks very much, Dave. And we'll cut there. Do you want to say anything else, a little outro or anything? No, I think that's fine, Dave. Um, no, I'm happy with that if you are. I'm happy with that. That's a nice 20 minutes. Thank you. Yeah, Great. mate, um, look, the, the, all the minor party stuff, I mean, that's that'll be interesting to people like you and I who, you know, who are worried about the fragmentation of, of the vote. It'll be lost on a lot of people, but but that that's okay. Um, they yeah, can, they I mean, can see us grappling, grappling with those questions. But, Again, they can they can see us grappling with those questions, but uh, there's no easy solution. Um, uh, and I think, and look, the, I think, and I didn't want to say this on air, on air, but you know, the proof uh, will still, be. Like to the good source supporters, by the way. Oh, okay. Hello, good source support. You're getting some uh, behind the scenes, but um, uh, look, I think the reality is it'll just depend um, on you know whether we or any of the other players can build the support base. You know, John Howard said you can't fatten the pig on market day, and Look, whilst I'm disappointed yeah. that I didn't have a vehicle, you know, the CDP collapsed, there was no real vehicle at this current election, um, the reality is, you know, our side has been such a mess. This really does give us the opportunity to recalibrate and to, um, you know, to borrow from Leon Trotsky, um, engage in the perpetual campaign. And yep. that's, that's what we have to do. And from my point of view, the campaign for the next federal election, you know, started uh, a week and a half ago. And we just need to build the biggest supporter base that we possibly can. And yeah. you know, I, I know that we're talking to your good source supporters, uh, and I probably wouldn't want this on the on the wider sort of broadcast, but um, the proof of the pudding in all this will be whether we can grow the movement, um, you know, not, not three months before the next election when we all do what we normally do and scramble to try and, you know, get yep. our campaign going, but yep. to, to build it now um, and, yep. and to be looking and be, to be looking, you know, probably two or three election cycles down the track. Um, this is a long-term process and this is something that, you know, Tom Kenyon, our chairman, and I have discussed. Um, we both agree this is not a short-term um It's one of the things and, the Australian Christians have done better than all other minor parties except for... Uh, maybe the Liberal Democrats and certainly One Nation, um, essentially because they've got uh, incumbents, uh, and that is that Australian Christians, even without incumbents, has maintained an office between elections and representation and active yeah. engagement yeah. with those people. Th so that's the key. That's the key. Yeah. Mm. And look, I, look, I haven't. I've obviously met those guys, but um, I, I'm not sort of you know intimate with um, what their activities have been in between elections, but. You know, they polled credibly at the federal election, but again, still well short 
Um, and look, we'll we'll be you know I've I've got a missed call from Mareki today. Um, you know, we'll we'll chat to them about you know yep. how we how we operate and how we can cooperate. And obviously, our desire is not to do them harm. But the reality is, you know, we've we've all got to do what we feel we're called to, and and, try and, and that is the together as best we can. To, um, is to compare notes and and even. Uh, wrestle over some of these things together and then bless each other as yeah. Yeah. clearly follow yeah. how we believe God's leading us and to let yeah. people be accountable to God for how God is leading them um, because uh, obviously one body, many parts, we don't all perform the yeah. same function in the same place and and that's a very no, that's good right. divine design. Uh, we got a yeah. question from one of the supporters here regarding Family First being the only pro-life party. What about the Australian Federation Party, the Great Australia Party, and Informed Medical Options Party. I thought they were all pro-life, even though they they have other issues they put forward this time. Yeah, look, um, you might be best to answer that. And and look, if um if they are pro-life in the way I described, then you know, obviously we're not the only ones. But they are very very micro, uh, if I can say that with respect. Um, I suppose when I think about the other players, I think of I think of think of One Nation and um, LDP and yeah. uh, you know those those sort of guys that have got a bit more of a profile. So you know some of these that you've just mentioned are hardly even known, uh, to be honest. Now that that's right, that's what the data says. Um, and again, with all due respect, not putting words in your mouth, but in my mouth, um, we have to face the facts and that these micro parties are never going to be politically relevant. Um, because no. they're just never going to get above a tenth of a percent, let alone 10%. No. And, um, and look, we, we may not either. I mean, you know, we're, we're just in the phases of first flush of being reborn, although um, Family First did well in South Australia, so performed credibly, but mm. um, we've still got a long way to go. What's the, um, I didn't ask this, is it possible to have the party registered in Victoria or is it already registered in Victoria for the... Contesting the it's state not, election it, the brand. We're, we're in the process. It, it is possible to have it registered. The rules wow. down there are different to New South Wales. So wow. here in New South Wales, it's a 16-month lead time, whereas the deadline uh, with the Victorian Electoral Commission is, um, I think, towards the end of July. So we're we're going through that process right now. Four um, months lead and, time. Um, wow. Yeah, so we've got to, yeah, it's just, look, this is one of the vagaries of the Federation. There's different rules in each state. As there um, should be. <laughs> Big fan as of As there should be. That's right. We're a Federation. That's right. Uh, we, we, we need to um, get rid of councils and, and let's triple the number of states. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we're not, I'm not going to buy into that debate. <laughs> I, uh, I, I would love to see, anyway, more states, more, more decentralisation, less centralisation. Um, yeah. Yeah. And if there's too much levels of government, then it's the the, the unconstituted. You end up with a very big end up with a very big Senate. The more states you um you bring in, but uh, anyway, that's no it opens a whole can of worms. It works in <laughs> England. Um, in in Australia, we um, we you know it basically we consider if you're in the party of government, you're in the government. Whereas that's just not even the case in England. If you're in the party of government, the government is the cabinet and um, all of the backbenchers um, are very, very free to uh, represent their districts yeah. and their local place instead of feeling like they need to be party loyal. It's, um, it's a very different dynamic there and uh, very interesting. Um, groovy. All right. I think right. that's pretty much it for uh, this. Three people watching constantly and a few more watching later. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David.